Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Sean Mullaney. He is a financial planner and author of the recently released book, Solo 401k, The Solopreneur's Retirement Account. Note, this discussion we're about to have is intended to be for general educational purposes. It's not tax, legal, or investment advice for anyone in particular, but I think you're going to find this conversation to be critical to you planning your future and to giving you some tips and things you can use as you look at your financial outlook and life in general. That's important for all of us as solopreneurs. Welcome to the show, Sean. Can't wait to have this conversation. Flavia, so nice to be here. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to have you on because you work in an area of entrepreneurship that is so important because it's one thing to make money in whatever you do as a business. You know, if you're a florist, you're selling flowers. If you, well, I mean, florists might say, I'm not selling flowers, I'm selling experiences, but you're selling your craft, your product, your services. But I love that you also help people with kind of that next question, which is, all right, I've made the money. Now what? Yeah, Flavia. So, you know, I'm a financial planner and there's just a lot of pain points out there about money and finances. And some of us come from maybe families where money wasn't discussed or wasn't managed well. You know, today there are things that could be done that can help folks optimize for their own financial future, thinking about today and also thinking about tomorrow. And when one is a solopreneur, you know, one doesn't get the email from HR saying, oh, here's the portal for the 401k. Please make a contribution election. Please make an investment election. You got to do it yourself. But I found that with the additional challenges comes additional opportunities. You find that psychologically, people don't want to think about the future too much. Like you want to look ahead a certain number of years. Um, but maybe not that many years, but that it's hard for someone to visualize, what am I going to need in 20, 30 years? And let's start planning for it now. I think there's an aspect of that. It depends on the person, right? So you have some folks who are hyper-focused on their future and hyper-focused on, let me get a spreadsheet going. And if I contribute so much over so many years at such a growth rate, I'm going to have so much money, right? So I think there's that, but I also think there is I think between confusion and we are, look, when we go down the street, right, we're looking for cars that are crossing our path today. Our mental focus is so in the present, which is good in a sense, absolutely is good, but it, it gets abstract, right? We have to think about things like inflation. And so today's dollars aren't the same as tomorrow's dollars. We think about our survival day to day, which is fine but we do need to be thinking more about our long-term future. When you hear reporting on what is like our baby boomers and the generations that come after them, how much they have saved for retirement, how secure they are in retirement, you keep hearing over and over again that there's sort of a shortage, that a lot of people 
ended up at retirement and didn't plan, didn't have enough, don't have enough retirement income to keep them going. Why is that? Like, where's the system failing? Is it that we don't have enough education on financial planning to give people that the know-how to do what they need to do? Or do you think it's just really difficult? Even when you know what you're doing, it's just hard to build up a nest egg you can live on in your retirement. Or was it just that the society changes and the amount we need and the different things involved? I mean, maybe I'm pretty sure that back when a baby boomer started working, maybe they weren't thinking of the world as it exists today. And as I sit here, the world's going to be very different in 20, 30 years. I mean, chat GPT is probably going to take over, right? AI, artificial intelligence. So what is it? Why is it that we have such a large number of people that have reached retirement but weren't ready for it? So I look at it in terms of there's a school of thoughts that says we need personal finance classes in high school. And then I say, well, how many people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s could tell you anything about high school algebra or high school geometry? I don't think it's an issue of education. I'm not saying I'm necessarily against having personal finance classes in high school. What really flipped a switch in my own mind was this financial independence movement. Because I think what happens is you look at the financial press, even independent financial media, and you see discussions about shiny objects. Ooh, look at the 529. Look at the backdoor Roth IRA. And for a lot of folks, that just sort of glate, that creates confusion. And well, this one tactic, what does this matter? The nice thing about the financial independence movement is it says, well, yeah, we can spend some time on these tactics, but we start off with the goal, right? I think we need to shift away from, oh, you know, personal finance is talking about all these different tactics, all these different hacks, all these different whatever, and start off with the goal, right? And generally speaking, the goal of the financial independence movement is let's build up sufficient financial work so that we can independently support ourselves beyond the parameters of a job, right? And I think when we start with the goal in mind first, right, we start with the end and then we work backwards, tactics then make a lot more sense. Like, oh, you know, mutual fund, index funds. Well, by itself, who really cares about a mutual fund or an index fund with all due respect to people who work in that industry, right? It's about the goals that those things can support. And when we start with that, it makes understanding the the latest article that came out in the newspaper or on cable TV or on Twitter or Instagram, wherever it is, it makes processing, oh, here's a tactic. Okay, well, let me think about my goals first. How does this tactic sort of interplay with my goals? So for this goal setting, what does financial independence mean today? Like what is the most sort of common definition? Is it your definition? I mean, do you agree with what people think of as financial independence, because you're right, you hear a lot more of this concept of being financially free or financially independent. I've heard it more among sort of the millennial age generation, although maybe that's just because I hear more from millennials in general, like they're kind of the leaders and being public and having YouTube channels and, and all of that. So how do you define it? So I start with financial independence supports all different forms and variations of financial independence. And we all, to a certain degree, have chosen some degree of financial independence. I'll give you an example. Maybe you have a job or maybe you're self-employed you know, and, and you contribute to your workplace 401k or just a Roth IRA in your own name. 
you know, to a degree, you've just chosen a small degree of financial independence. You've said, okay, I'm going to set aside some money for tomorrow instead of spending that money today. You know, what, what I, I sort of look at financial independence and I say, I start with two levers, right? One, are there things we can do to reduce our spending, right? This is one of the things I've sort of learned as an adult. And not that I was ever buying all sorts of goods and items and flashy cars or anything like that, but you can't take it with you, right? All this material stuff is going to, at the end of the day, it's all winding up in the landfill, right? So why are we spending so much money to have our home be a way station for this stuff? Now, yes, you need some stuff. I have a, a desk here I work at, right? So I've got a microphone in front of me. I've got a computer in front of me, right? So I need some stuff, right, to be productive, to have material. I need my the clothes on my back, right? I need some stuff. But beyond sort of that initial, you got to think long and hard before you buy this stuff. And I think financial independence supports folks as they reduce their spending. But then the second thing is building up assets. And you know, some people in the financial independence movement think about, oh, okay, we're going to you know, have rental real estate, right? That could be one approach. Other folks think more about the financial assets, the mutual funds, the ETFs, whatever it might be, where you're building up wealth that exceeds your annual spend expenses and then exceeds your annual expenses by many times. And the further along you get in terms of reducing your expenses and building up your assets, the less dependent you are on any one job or any one source of income, right? So I like this idea of, hey, you know what? We want to be just less dependent on one particular employer for a whole host of reasons. We may love our job, right? There's nothing wrong with really liking your job, but do we know that that industry is even going to exist in the future, right? Do we know that we're going to be able to earn an income in the future? There's all sorts of reasons why today's income flows may be different tomorrow. And I think the financial independence movement is playing some defense in some ways, saying, look, if we can reduce our expenses and build up our financial assets, we can be less dependent on our current employment situation, which is good for a whole host of reasons, even if we really like our current employer. So I love how you say, even if you like your current employer, because this, some of the guests on our show are giving us opportunities to change careers or, you know, do something different, build a business, start a business, grow a business. I love that what you teach and coach on and help clients with, it just complements whatever they're already doing. Like you're not trying to tell them to quit their job and do this instead. I mean, you're not trying to encourage day trading or, or you know, other kinds of investing. What you're doing is actually a fairly, it's not new. I mean, it's not new to do financial planning, to think about retirement accounts. It's a very traditional and very conservative way to sort of look at your financial outlook on life. And, but it's missing from so many people's outlook. I'm a big fan because I work in real estate. So obviously, I see real estate as this amazing way to build a legacy or investment growth and passive income as well. Certain, Obviously, not every real estate you buy is going to be a great investment. You have to have a professional to guide you with that. So you kind of do what you, what you know. So a lot of people I know are very heavy into stocks and investing in that area and are kind of myope, like they're just tunnel vision. That's all they see. Others are, I'm just going to put as much as I can into an IRA account, you know, Roth IRA, I'm going to put things into a 401k and that's where all my excess 
money's going to go and I'm going to just focus on that as where I invest. Others just want to invest in something like bonds or just something, you know, even CDs at their bank. And do you find that sometimes you kind of have to help people see the bigger forest? Like there's many different ways to look at your financial planning. Or do you find that you actually have to rein people in the other way and tell them, look, stop, stop like the shotgun approach. Like you need to be more laser focused. What's your experience with that? Yeah. So and neither you nor I is giving investment advice or endorsing each other's products in, in this particular podcast. One of the things I like about financial planning, whether it's DIY or it's with a professional, is getting that plan in place. Because here's why. We live in a media-driven world, right? You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you see CNBC, whatever it is. And there's the latest shiny object that comes down the pike. And in the last decade, how many shiny objects have we had in the personal finance space, right? I don't need to list them here, but you can think about what's been the thing that's been in the news when a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, and we can make a list, right? They're rhymes though. That's one of them. It's certainly not the only one. Here's the thing about the shiny objects, though. When they come down the pike and you don't have a plan in place, it creates confusion. You say, well, oh, do I have to go grab this, right? When is, what do I need to do and what's going on? And it creates a lot of confusion. If you have a financial plan in place and it's working for you, right, that gives you a great way to assess that shiny object. And more likely than not, if you have a good plan in place and things are going well in your financial life, the answer is, well, I got my plan. Do I really need to be focused on this shiny object? Maybe somebody else can get there, right? Meaning, I don't need to find the latest great stock if you know my financial security is just fine and, and things are going well and the future looks really good. If I've got a good plan in place and I'm meeting that plan, why do I need to have the next home run, right? So I think that's a real benefit of financial planning is it helps us filter the shiny objects. And in many cases, what we're going to find is, well, we got a good plan in place. Why do we, we need to be so focused on the shiny object that I'm seeing out in the media? So tell us about your book. It's called Solo 401k, The Solopreneur's Retirement Account. How did that book come to be? What was your intention with the book? What's the message of the book? Uh, Fill us in. Yeah. So I like to joke that with respect to solo 401ks, I'm both a pusher and a user. And look, it's the solo 401k isn't necessarily going to be appropriate for everybody out there in the audience, but it's a very powerful tool when we're self-employed. Many people who are self-employed will qualify, not everybody, but many will. And it, it offers sort of two great things. One is it's relatively simple, right? If you understand it, and there's a lot of confusion out there about it, and that's a big part of the reason why I wrote the book. But once you understand the basics of it, it's not that complicated. And the fees tend to be relatively modest, right? Some institutions will offer the solo 401k free for itself, and then you just pay the investment fees within each mutual fund that's in there. But those often can be very small as well. So they're very affordable. And the contribution limits are really high. So this can be a very powerful tax planning tool for the self-employed, and it can be a very powerful retirement planning tool for the self-employed. And so 
I saw how powerful it is and how useful it can be. And I also saw in working with clients and prospective clients, I saw that there was a lot of confusion out there about this. This is one of those areas, you know, I think there's been a lot of ink spilled in the personal finance space. And that's fine, right? Not different content creators connect with different audiences. So the fact that there might be 20 blog posts about, I don't know, the backdoor Roth IRA, that's perfectly fine because different people connect different ways. But I found that there just isn't enough out there in terms of content, in terms of education on the solo 401k. And I'm also seeing, I think we're moving into a world of self-employment. I think people want more flexibility in their lives. I think technology is enabling self-employment. So I think the trend is towards self-employment. So we had my interest, we had a lack of education out there. And we have uh, trends going in the direction of self-employment. So that was the perfect storm for me to spend some time writing a book about the solo 401k. What's your favorite part about your job? So if there's someone out there that is thinking, I don't want to actually just get help from Sean to set up my financial future. I would love to be Sean. Like, What does the career path look like for someone that wants to get into financial planning as their new job? Yeah, that's a great question, Flavia. No, it's interesting. So I'm a career changer, right? So I was in corporate tax till age 40. And I always had that sort of itch to scratch in terms of personal finance. But you know, I was I built up a career in big four accounting, did a spell with the IRS for a little over three years. So, you know, I built up a career in corporate tax and you know, it was decently compensated, right? I have no complaints there. So it's hard to leave a career path that certainly has financial advantages. But I ultimately got that itch where I just had to scratch. And I will say changing careers in personal finance is not an easy thing to go into financial planning is not an easy thing to do. I actually think today, you know, so I made the switch, you know, in the years 2018, 2019. I think today there's actually some more resources out there. A colleague and friend of mine, a gentleman named Cody Garrett, has recently started something called Measure Twice Planners. And that's sort of an association. Of, and I don't know if association is the right term, so don't quote me on that. But it's a group of planners that are investing in education and networking around learning financial planning, learning best practices, learning from each other, right? So there, Cody does some presentations in there. Other planners do presentations in there. I myself just recorded a presentation on the solo 401k in there. And I think if I was looking to career change into financial planning, that would be one resource I would look into where, oh, that's somewhere, that's a place where I could start to ramp up in terms of my knowledge. And there are other resources out there. Folks can do their own research on that, but that would be one place where I would start off some called Measure Twice Planning uh, or Measure Twice Planners. Just Google that with Cody Garrett. And I think that would be a, a way to think about it. And then my book is a resource in terms of, well, how do you do retirement planning when you're now working for yourself? Because, you know, it is different than when you are at a large employer. Well, and for that person who's thinking, I have dropped the ball, have not done what I need to do in terms of planning for my future and for retirement, what would be that first step? I mean, they order your book, read it cover to cover. What does someone do when they want to go from zero to a full-fledged plan? How do you find someone to help you? Yeah, great question. So. And it really depends on where you sit. And you're saying maybe a case where somebody just has not been attentive to their finances. So in that case, 
they may have knowledge deficits. And I will say this about the financial planning world. I think advisors make it difficult, right, to understand what's going on and in terms of like what are the the fees, what are the services available. I think the industry has an opaqueness to it that I have not liked. Now, look, I come from a different just industry. I didn't grow up in this industry. So that certainly informs my view of the industry. What I would do is a few things. One, I'm very fond of the advice only model. Now, of course, I offer in my practice advice only financial planning. So guess what? I tend to like it, right? So I'm not an unbiased source in that recommendation. I think advice only is a really good way to go. So that means you pay just for the advice. There's no investment management where you pay a separate fee. There's no commissions or anything like that. You literally are just paying for advice. I think that's a great way to go. The second thing I would say is if you're thinking about financial planning and you're really starting at zero, most financial planners will book an initial meeting where you discuss sort of your needs and the services that that particular planner offers. And there's nothing wrong with doing some research and booking a few of those meetings where you get at least some understanding of, okay, what's out there? What do different planners offer? And frankly, the personal connection is important in this sort of thing, right? So you sort of see, what's, what am I going to get out of this? What are the fees going to look like? And what's the personal connection with that particular man or woman in terms of financial planning? And I think that would be a way to go especially if I was starting at zero, I wouldn't find, oh, you know, I I saw a financial planner on YouTube or on a podcast. I really like him or her. I might book an initial consultation where we talk about my needs, their services, but I would then also do initial consultations like that with several other planners. I wouldn't just sign up with the first planner I saw on YouTube or on a podcast. So that would be another way of doing some diligence to think about maybe engaging with a financial planner. That's great advice. So for anyone that's listened to you and wants more, let us know where do people connect with you? How do they find your book? Where's that available? And how do people follow this conversation and take it further with you? Yeah. So I'm out on the internet in several places. The book, Solo 401k, The Solopreneur's Retirement Account is available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, a lot of the other internet electronic retailers where you buy your books. And you can just internet... Amazon, Barnes & Noble search, Solo 401k, my book should come up. If you want to connect with me, uh, Sean Mullaney, you can reach me. My financial planning firm is MullaneyFinancial.com. You can find me on my blog. I do a blog, which is the intersection of tax and financial independence called Phi Tax Guy. Phi is in financial independence. So PhiTaxGuy.com. I do have a small YouTube channel. Just search uh, Sean Mullaney on YouTube. And then I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can look me up there as well. Well, Sean, thank you so much for sharing so much of what you know and what's in your head out with the world on YouTube, blog, elsewhere. I mean, there's so many places that you've shared information. Your book alone is a wealth of knowledge. So I encourage everyone to pick up a copy of the book, Solo 401k, The Solopreneur's Retirement Account, and to visit Sean at his blog at phytaxguy.com. Sean, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you again for all that you do. Thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave a review on iTunes, I promise I will read every single review. 
If you know someone who makes a full-time living from part-time work, and maybe this is you, please visit lifestylesolopreneur.com to nominate a guest or to nominate yourself. Because remember this, money doesn't buy happiness, but money in the hands of a happy person, there is no greater tool. Today's episode was brought to you by the Get Shift Done program. It's a lifestyle changing online class to help you define your business and lifestyle ambitions and to set goals in a way you've never experienced before. This class will 10X your daily productivity with methods that will blow your mind. And if you use a coupon code podcast, the class tuition is 99% off. Visit getshiftdone.com to enroll today.